Um, you want to yell out the window and ask these folks what they think about working from the office? Hey, what do you guys think about working from the office? You excited to be back? You're excited to be back? Awesome. Cool. Great idea, Todd. <laughs> no, that, no, that, that is some quality journalism. <laughs> All right, John, we are coming to you from the Weston parking garage. We're stuck in traffic. And so we decided that we would just do the podcast right now. Right here in your Toyota Corolla. Cam- Camry. Oh, it's Camry. I apologize. <laughs> 2007 Camry. Loving it. All right. What do you want to talk about this week, Todd? Well, we just heard Mike Siebert, the T-Mobile CEO, with Jonathan Spisato, our business partner at GeekWire. He did an interview at the Tech Alliance. That's why we're stuck in the Weston parking garage. He had some very clear thoughts about how AI is going to impact T-Mobile. He talked a lot about the churn, which is the bane of wireless companies and of subscription services in general, and the fact that they would like to know on a very individual basis how and why customers are leaving. You know, we're the only ones in the industry right now with declining churn. That means less people leaving us this year than last year. That's very good. But still, because we're a very big company, millions of people left us last year. And that just gnaws at us. And every one of them left a trail of data before they finally threw their hands up and gave up on us. Something was going wrong. And AI can be trained against those stories that can be discerned in the data. If only the data would be introduced to each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, these domains, these fiefdoms of data that we all have. They don't want to lose any customers and they want to be able to use AI to track why those customers are leaving raise all sorts of interesting questions in my mind, including some privacy issues, like what happens there? How much data are those customers leaving behind? I thought that was an interesting point that was raised implicitly by his comments. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely privacy concerns as it relates to all of that data that T-Mobile is collecting on its customer base and what happens to it. It was funny, at another point during the conversation, they were talking about some of the hacking that's happened and the national security concerns that have emerged just in the past couple days. This is a maybe the biggest issue facing companies like ours and also uh, a a massive national security issue for every part of our economy. It starts with having properly prioritized programs and taking it seriously. And, you know, we've had a couple of bad events over the last few years that have really knocked us on our side. Um, If there's anything to be gained from that that's a positive is some of that was, um, I think, a catalyst for even more focus in this area to make sure we have the right technology, the right architecture that's fundamentally protected, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the right level of investment. What's really important isn't just getting preventing access to a social security number that might be in a vendor's system, because most of your social security numbers were hacked a long time ago. Um, what's really important is making sure that the nation's critical communications infrastructure, our network, um, isn't penetrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously our top priority. Forget about your social security numbers. Those things got leaked years ago. And I was sitting there thinking, yes, I've been through a identity theft nightmare, which I attribute to my information being included in the massive T-Mobile leak that happened. Oh, so you blame Siever. <laughs> I don't blame him personally, but the biggest leak that my information was leaked in was the T-Mobile leak. And I've been through, I wouldn't call it a nightmare, but it's been a complete pain in the ass over the past year with accounts being created in my name at banks I've never heard of and had to do the whole, it's been an education, let's just say. At any rate, it was interesting to hear his comments 
on AI in particular and how they would be using that to try and figure out and then prevent through, I'm sure, marketing means and other legitimate business means, those people from churning away from the company. Yeah, it's also interesting because Sievert is really a marketer at the end of the day. So hearing how AI is going to change that customer experience from a marketing standpoint was really interesting. And I thought he was really clear in his delivery about the impact it's going to have. It'll simultaneously be bigger than most people expect Mm -hmm. and take a little longer than the hype cycle assumes. He said he didn't want to add to the hype cycle, but which he clearly was doing to some degree. But I think he, he very much believes that AI is an important transformational technology. He said it's as big as the desktop computer from the 80s or the internet in the 90s. We are living in a time, I hate to feed the hype cycle, that I think we will look back on in a decade and understand this moment, this half decade right now is as profound as the 80s when desktop computers arrived, mm-hmm. as the 90s when the web arrived, right. as the 2010s as smartphones took over. It, it's it's profound. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like we're on this wave or do you feel it's like overhyped? So in our internal conversations, John, I've shared this with you and Taylor. I think for journalists in particular in our industry, we're going to look back on the transition to AI-assisted research and writing and reporting in the same way that people who shifted to PCs from typewriters looked at that transition. I think it's on that level based on what I've been seeing so far and and trying. I mean, I'm like, I'm having so much fun with this stuff, just going, whoa, what about this? Would this work? Can I take this raw data and have ChatGPT or Bing or Bard interpret it in a way that helps me get closer to insight, closer to conclusions? Even short of writing and doing the work for you, frankly, I think automating the job from soup to nuts is not as interesting to me as assisting in really powerful ways along the way. And that's the power of it, if we can harness this tool in a way. And that's kind of how I look at it as as well. I, I look at it as you know, a calculator for words in some ways. Uh, And so I think there's a lot of ways that folks can use this as a, as an important tool. Todd, I know we're coming to the first floor here in the parking (laughs) garage. So I'm, I'm (laughs) suggesting we take a break from our in car podcast recording and then come back on the show because I want to talk to you about some of Mike Sievert, uh, the T-Mobile CEO's comments about downtown and getting back to work, which also very much struck me as part of his interview at the Tech Alliance luncheon this week. All right. So let's take a break right here. We will be right back with that from the Weston Parking Garage on the GeekWire podcast. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included.
Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. We are coming to you from a long line of cars, to quote my favorite band, yes. Cake. <laughs> I, I think we're about 25 minutes into our time here. We should have started the podcast at the beginning of this journey, but um, I think we're going to finish this podcast by the time we get to the exit booth here at the West End in downtown Seattle. So we are just leaving the Technology Alliance luncheon. We just heard an interview between Jonathan Spasado, who is the chairman of GeekWire, the owner of Seattle Magazine, and a longtime entrepreneur in the Seattle area, talking to Mike Sievert, the T-Mobile CEO. And John, to your point in the tease right before the break, I agree. Some of his comments on downtown Seattle and in particular the return to work were very interesting. We're a member of this community that sure. for the success of T-Mobile, this community has to be vibrant. Yeah, 100%. And I'll say a few unpopular things. First of all, y'all got to get back to the offices. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You can't. This is, this is directly correlated to the crime we have in the urban core mm-hmm. of Seattle um, because the people who are there some of whom have always been there, but they were drowned out by tens of thousands of other workers that will make you feel safe. And when you feel safe, you will engage in commerce. And one thing leads to the other, leads to the other. He basically said, get your employees back to work. And the reason for doing that is because everything will stem from a critical mass of people that will be in the downtown core or in the various regions where people are coming back to those in-office experiences. He was very adamant about it. And he also pointed out that it's important for younger employees that might not be getting the mentorship. He pointed out that young employees do largely want to be back in the office. It's people that have been in their careers 10, 15, 20 years who already know the systems. They don't need as much mentorship. Those are the people that are being stubborn about coming back to work. If when they go to the office, everybody Mm -hmm. else is there, Mm -hmm. young people are actually completely open to this. Young people know they want the mentorship, they want the support, they want career growth. It's the, it's the people who are 10, 15 years into their mm-hmm. career in their mid-30s and 40s who have been the most stubborn about coming back. Mm-hmm. And if the whole promise is you're going to get mentorship from people that have been doing it for 15 years, we're not going to get the young yeah, people back unless the mentors are already there. Yeah. And it's a responsibility of leadership. It's your responsibility to lead the way and get back in there so that the young people will. They're ready to yeah. come back. You got to bring those people back because you have to provide the mentorship for the next generation and the younger employees. And so it's a real challenge for executives and managers of people to try to, to try to get that to happen. But he was very clear in what he wanted to see in terms of getting people back to work and for this community to rebound, to fight some of the problems that we're, we're struggling with as it relates to affordability and housing, homelessness and crime. And as he sees it, the ticket to that is through getting people back in the office. The generational issue there is fascinating to me because I've seen it firsthand in some of our operations at other companies. To your point, I think folks who have been around in the office for many years saw this new era of working from home, of remote work as this energizing moment in some ways, depending on your situation. And I think it's been difficult for the people who are in younger generations to come back into the office, in some cases on their own, when that mentorship is not around. And and I really thought that Mike Siebert's point in that regard was interesting and very valid. 
He also applauded there were a lot of government officials in the Tech Alliance luncheon, and so maybe he was playing to the crowd a bit, but he also applauded Dow Constantine, the county executive, and Mayor Harold, Mayor Bruce Harold, the mayor of Seattle, for their efforts in the last uh, year to try to make some strides as it relates to the, uh, the homelessness crisis. And, you know, Todd, I got to speak from firsthand knowledge here. I walked from downtown Seattle yesterday. I went to the Mariners ball game at T-Mobile Park, as, as it happens. And I walked from the Russell Investment Center, where I had a business meeting, down all through 2nd Avenue, down through the downtown. And it's a beautiful day. It's, we got the sun shining here in Seattle. It was glorious. It was absolutely glorious. There was very little trash on the street that I could see. I saw a lot of the city ambassadors out on the street in their bright green vests who are there to make sure that the, the city's function pro- functioning properly and is, is clean. And and I was very impressed. And I think a lot of people that haven't been to downtown Seattle in a while would be a little shocked based on the narrative that is out there. Now, you know, I walk everywhere. So I was walking through Ballard the other day and it was a, it was, there was a crisis going on as it related to the homeless situation there. So it's an interesting time because of the, the differences you're seeing in different parts of the city as I see it right now. But downtown, last few times I've been down here, Todd, it's been very, very clean, friendly. I'm not running into people that feel threatening to me. I've been very impressed. Now, there's a flip side of that. I was telling you that I'm a regular reader of the newspaper here in Seattle called Real Change, which provides more of the perspective from people who advocate for the unhoused on issues of homelessness. And their real concern is that the folks that are being pushed out of downtown are truly being pushed out and not being helped. And so there are multiple sides to this issue. To your point, though, downtown is very different. And I'm going to make a suggestion, John, for our third segment after we pay here at the gate. I'm going to take a left and then I'm going to go up through Amazon HQ. Oh, yeah. Let's see what's going on because we're recording this again in the Weston parking garage in downtown Seattle. Where we've been stuck in traffic <laughs> right. for at least 30 minutes. And um, we are very close to Pain. Amazon HQ1. We're oh. very close to Payne as well. <laughs> Let's see how this transaction goes. But that is a great idea because it's Thursday. Yep. It's Thursday. So this should be a pretty active day. I've been down here on Mondays and Fridays and it still feels really slow and not as much activity. So I would think here on a Thursday, great, beautiful, sunny day. We're recording at about 2 p.m. And my guess is that we're going to see some different activity. You know, Taylor Soper, our GeekWire's managing editor, had a great story this week looking at traffic data from Enrix. They looked at pre-Amazon return to work here in Seattle and post-Amazon return to work in Seattle. And the drive times on Interstate 5 and Highway 520, the speed times of the cars has, has actually slowed down pretty dramatically. So uh, we are seeing an impact on traffic as it relates to people getting back to the office. Todd, one thing I don't want to go back to is when it was crazy getting around downtown or before, like in 2017, 2018, 2019, it was not fun coming downtown for other reasons. It was impossible to get around. Because of the traffic? Yeah, Yeah, it was impossible to move. Well, so, are we getting back to that in part here? I mean, look what we've, we've just experienced. Well, this is a unique situation. You've got 700 people leaving the Tech Alliance luncheon 
all at once. Thank and you. So, and there we go, transaction complete. Okay. Hey, let's take so, one last break here. One last break, and I'm when we come back from the Virginia. great break, we're gonna do a drive-by, because we're just leaving the Tech Alliance drive -through. Luncheon. A drive-through, a drive-through, well, not drive a drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna drive by the spheres. <laughs> That's what I meant. We'll see what happens. And we're gonna just give a sense of what's going on down here in South Lake Union, home to Amazon's headquarters. Is this South Lake Union or the Denny Triangle? Yeah, same, same diff. All right. Let's go see. through South Lake Union, too. Let's go through both. And we will be right back. All right, welcome back. We are coming to you from the corner of 6th and Virginia Streets in downtown Seattle, taking a left onto 6th Street. Going right past the famous Marination Station. Shout out to Marination. That, that is really good food, I gotta say. Marination is awesome. Okay, let's slow down here. I'll okay, we're, we're passing the Amazon Spheres, the famous... Uh, so glass so it's orbs. Two o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm seeing a lot of activity. This is better than what I've seen in the past, Todd. How about yeah, you? What do you think? Yeah, much better than like say six months ago. Okay, I'm going to take a meandering route here, John, just so we can appropriately assess the Amazon campus. Because if there's anything that I've learned, it's that if you can do journalism by driving by a place, you know that's totally accurate and a complete. <laughs> Comprehensive reflection of the situation. <laughs> okay, we've got some we've got some folks, Amazon employees, I presume. They're taking a smoke break here, four or five sitting on benches. Um, we've got security <laughs> on the street uh, monitoring the situation. We have a, I would guess, an Amazon employee here with her beautiful little puppy dog holding holding it on a dog walk. So, Todd, I I'd say. I'm, this is more activity than I've seen oh, hey, down in this area. Oh, hey, it's the elephant car wash sign. I've not seen that in place. Yeah, the newly newly uh, placed elephant car wash sign. And Todd, don't hit that bicyclist, nope, please. Thank I, you. Yeah. Ooh, look okay. at, oh, look at this. This, this is, this is Whoa. I wouldn't say bustling, but there are ah, people I out. I might use the word bustling here. We're driving on the other side of the spheres. This is now, what, what side of the spheres well, is Well, we'd this? be on 7th and Lenora, I presume. Look at this. Look at the banana stand. I, John, this feels like, I, I would say, if not bustling, at least vibrant. Vibrant. I would say vibrant, yeah. It looks it looks like a beautiful Seattle day with people on the street. So this is, as we're, we're saying, we're coming from the Tech Alliance luncheon where Mike Sievert, the CEO of T-Mobile, just spoke. And his point was, in order for Seattle to really have its comeback we need to bring employees back to the office obviously that's something that amazon has done here uh recently uh just the, at the start of may that was the yum two bit food truck <laughs> so food trucks are probably exiting after hopefully a busy lunch rush for them here in downtown seattle um but yeah i think it is going to take a critical mass of people uh to have seattle return to its you know pre-pandemic levels. And we must say, Seattle has one of the slowest return to office rates of any city in the country. So when you go to Atlanta or Dallas or uh, Boston or other cities, they a lot, a lot of them have returned to the, to the workplace much more so than we've seen here in Seattle. Amazon's at the forefront of trying to bring more people back to the office, somewhat reluctantly in, in some cases. I've certainly talked to some folks who are frustrated by the fact that they're back in the office, but they're this global company and have meetings with people all over well, the world and don't really need to be in the office for it. Well, there's this big issue that emerged this week where we may see Amazon employees walk out over issues, including climate and the return to the office. 
Absolutely. So, Todd, are we going to drive through South Lake Union, or did yeah. we get enough of a get enough of a buzz? So, so as Todd as Todd corrected me, we were actually in the Denny Triangle neighborhood of Seattle. South Lake Union abuts that neighbor neighborhood, and now we're crossing Denny Way. And this this goes to the original. I shouldn't say the original headquarters, but when Amazon moved off of Beacon Hill uh, with their headquarters, they moved into a project developed by the late Paul Allen, the Microsoft co-founder, and developed a very large chunk of real estate that borders the South Lake Union waterfront, hence the name of the neighborhood South Lake Union. So we will get a sense of what that campus is like. And as we said, it was quite vibrant around the Amazon Spheres and in the Denny Triangle neighborhood, South Lake Union, maybe a different story. We'll, we'll take a look. We're almost there. Oh, I guess we can't take a left here. Okay, we're trying to get onto Westlake Avenue. We're right by the Whole Foods. Oh, now we're now we're kind of screwed. We got to go all the way up to uh, Fairview. Uh, no, you, you got to go all the way up to Fairview is and take a left. Oh, well, if you want to, that's an illegal move. But go for it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's illegal. I don't think that's illegal. That's illegal. Okay. So hopefully no Seattle police officers are in the vicinity. But officer, I was recording a podcast. <laughs> yes, hopefully we get by because of the recording of the podcast. <laughs> All right, taking a right onto Westlake Avenue North. And as John said, this was not, not the original Amazon campus, but was the place that they moved when they moved off of Beacon Hill. Todd, now we're passing the Citizen M Hotel. I don't know if you remember, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did a campaign with them where they really did your highlight. <laughs> this is my highlight where they did <laughs> profiles of business leaders in the community and did photo- these. I, I, it took like six hours of my day to do this photography you were thing the, with them. I was a subject. Shoot. I was part of a subject shoot. and they were going to put it up on the hotel. And I think they eventually did. But like COVID hit like two months later and I don't think anyone ever saw it. So. All right, so, so we are now still on Westlake, uh, driving toward Lake Union. And John, I don't know if you know this, but one of the buildings we're going to pass, I believe it's on this block, or maybe it's the block over, used to be day one. But now the day one tower is over in the newer portion of the Amazon campus in the Denny Triangle. And the reason that they changed the name is that Jeff Bezos moved buildings. I don't know if you know this, but it's much like Air Force One. Whichever building Jeff Bezos was working in was the day one tower or the day one building. So almost like the president of the United States. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Bezos moving into day one. Over. Uh, I'm going to take it. <laughs> so not as busy down here, John, but maybe we're just not right on the right street. How would you describe that? It's not as busy. Uh, we're right by the Tesla dealership and uh there are no amazon employees uh in their purchasing vehicles today because their stock price (laughs) has fallen too dramatically in recent months so there uh doesn't look like there's much activity in there todd i don't want to be that guy but i do want to point out that is not a tesla dealership that is a Tesla showroom. Oh. And there is a very important oh, reason for on. that distinction. Seriously, they don't, would the, would you, they don't would, sell cars. Would like you that. sell a car? Okay, could I go in there and say, I think I'm going to buy a Tesla no, today? That's an interesting question. I know that's a very uh, hairy question in terms of the regulation in the state and the association. Uh, okay, I stand corrected. The, the building that has a Tesla's in it, that <laughs> is a marketing vehicle for them to promote their, their cars. Okay, okay, sorry. Here is Terry Avenue North, which is where the the main buildings are. So look down there, John. It, it's much slower in this part of, uh, part of the Amaz- Amazonia, I must say. 
much slower. But we must say it's it's two o'clock, so we're past the rush hour of lunch, and I presume all these people are back in the office uh, working hard on writing some code or creating a marketing plan. And it is hard to make sweeping generalizations about it, in part because different teams have different days that they're going to stay in the office, and it, Amazon is leaving that up two individual team leaders somewhat and the way teams work but it is it's three days um you want to yell out the window and ask these folks what they think about working from the office hey what do you guys think about working from the office you excited to be back you're excited to be back awesome cool that is some quality journalism <laughs> That was awesome. Great idea. Okay. <laughs> Making an impression in South Lake Union. <laughs> Go to geekwire.com. <laughs> All right. I, I think our drive around, I'm, I'm ready to call this quits. It's also getting really hot it's in your car. In it's getting really hot. I need to take a break. Can okay. we? Uh, I think that's the podcast. That's the podcast. All right. So uh, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah. All right. That is the GeekWire podcast, everybody. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. We'll talk to you next time on GeekWire.